So Money Episode 700, Peter Shankman, entrepreneur and author of Faster Than Normal. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. All right. So this is, I think, a good thing. It may not sound like a good thing, but once you listen, I think you'll be pleased. This episode is probably my quickest interview Not to say that it's my worst interview, but it just went fast, okay? And it should not have come as any surprise to me because our guest today is the one and only Peter Shankman, author of Faster Than Normal. Indeed, this interview went quickly and it was anything but normal. And I do think that's why you're going to love it. Peter, as he describes in his bio, is a, quote, spectacular example of what happens when you merge the power of pure creativity with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and a dose of adventure and make it work to your advantage. Peter is an author, an entrepreneur, and corporate keynote speaker. He's famous for founding HARO, which stands for Help a Reporter Out. It is the most popular sourcing service in the English-speaking world, and it connects journalists and bloggers with relevant expert sources to meet journalists' demanding deadlines and allows brands to tell their stories. I use it often. He built and sold HARO in two and a half years, again, faster than normal. Peter has some unconventional beliefs around money. For example, if you want to make more money, he says you have to first spend it. And he gives some real specific examples of that. Plus, where to invest your money this year? It involves a four-letter word. Here's Peter Shankman. Peter Shankman, welcome to So Money, finally. Pleasure to be here. About time. It's my bad. I, uh, of course, know who you are. I've been a consumer of uh, some of the products that you've built, uh, Harrow, namely one of them. And uh, many of my friends speak very highly of you. And so it's just an honor to have you on the show. And I'm actually pretty excited because I've read a lot of your stuff. And I noticed uh, a recent piece you wrote on how to get booked on podcasts. And one of your biggest pieces of advice for guests, which you practice, is to have nothing be off limits <laughs> to ask you. Yeah, so true. great. That's a that's an opportunity for me, I guess. Go for it. All right. So it's no question that you're a radical thinker. We just uh, read off your introduction. You're a successful entrepreneur, connector. You have unconventional philosophies about just about everything. So let's start with money because this show is about money. And I don't know how often you – um, have gone on money podcasts, but would you say you have an unconventional approach to spending and saving? Like, well, how would you describe your relationship with money, Peter? Um, <clears throat> my relationship with money is probably uh, my relationship with a lot of things, probably similar. I know what I'm great at and I know what I'm terrible at. And I'm very, very good at um, outsourcing the things I'm terrible at. So <clears throat> I have a, uh, I have a great, uh, financial advisor. Um, and when I sold my last company, I basically had the check uh, or the wire transfer, I suppose, go right to him because uh, I didn't want to have it. 
I didn't want to have that much money in my account and, and, you know, could have had a plan, you know, Oh, that's gonna be great. I'm gonna do something. No, that nothing good would come out of that. So, you know, I, I, my, my financial advisor jokes that he lets me, he gives me a certain amount of money that I'm allowed to play with. I can invest in companies. I can do whatever I want, um, with that amount. But insofar as the main amount of my retirement savings and all that stuff, I don't get to touch that. That's probably for the best. Why don't you trust yourself with money? <sighs> it's not that I don't trust myself with money. I think that it's just, I, I think that there are certain things that I am happy to leave to the professionals. That being said, I started buying Bitcoin, um, and, or not Bitcoin specifically, but um, some cryptocurrencies um, at several cents a piece, and they've done very, very well for me. So that's great. But I think that insofar as, um, you know, I am not a financial advisor. I, I, I probably think with my heart more than I should think, more than I think with my head when it comes to finances or pretty much anything in my life. And so, you know, what's the number one rule? You never get emotional about investments, right? Well, I do. Mm-hmm. So again, probably better that I don't do that. <laughs> well, I also looked up another piece that you wrote about the best investments for 2018. Do you remember this piece? You said invest, invest in your Fs. Yep. We'll just say, is, we'll say fucks once. and then- <laughs> There you go. Yes. It, it's the best place to invest your fucks for 2018. Correct. Uh, let's go through that list. This is pretty funny, but also I think very much telling of, you know, Peter Shankman, uh, you know, how you think and um, you're, you're funny, but I think that there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of rawness and truth to this. So uh, one of the places where we should invest our hard earned Fs, uh, in other words, another way to look at this list is here are your top F yes. Yeses for 2018. Putting people together makes sense because you're a connector. Mm-hmm. Learning something completely unrelated to what you currently know. What has that been for you so far this year? So, so far this year, um, I've been learning, well, a couple of things. I've been learning a little bit more about politics because um, I find that uh, what's going on um, in our society currently is fascinatingly scary. And so I am learning. Uh, more about that. I'm not saying I'm I'm going to run for anything. I'm not, I'm not not saying I'm going to run for anything. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just you know seeing I'm seeing what's going on. I'm looking around. I'm I'm, I'm finding it interesting. Um, I am. What else am I investing in? Uh, I'm investing my time in uh, a different type of workout. I'm doing some high intensity interval training workouts, which is <clears throat> a phenomenal way to, to 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 drop pounds and and things like that. So. Um, it's no secret that you uh, have ADHD. You've written about it. It's very much. It's in your bio. It's it's very much a part of your identity. Um, have you ever thought about how that has impacted your um, your career and relationship to with money? Like you're very good at making money, and then you just said, you know, that you'd rather let leave the management to somebody else. Um, is there a connection there? I think there is. You know. Um I've done really well uh, financially from a from a, a, a business perspective because I I don't um, <clears throat> I don't really think more than once uh, about what I'm going to do. You know, most people most people who start companies sort of weigh themselves down and, and 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 never succeed as well as they want to because they're too busy overthinking it. I'm sort of like I have an idea. I'm going to go do this. Boom, done. And then um, the problem there is that, and that's great, right? But it's not necessarily the greatest thing in the world for everything. I, I sh- you shouldn't invest like that, right? You should do more research. I tend to not do research. So that's yet another reason that I, that I have other people do that work for me. Mm-hmm. Would you say that you're not as risk averse as others maybe? And that's actually a great quality to have in, in, in an entrepreneur. 
I'm definitely not risk averse. Um, I mean, I'm also a skydiver, you know, for God's sake, let's tell you something. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm not risk averse. Uh, I, I do, but there's a difference between taking regular risks or calculated risks. I don't take boring, I don't take risks. I take calculated risks. Calculated risks, you know, I've jumped out of a plane almost 500 times. And when I jump out of a plane, if I thought I was going to die every time, I wouldn't do it. I trust my training. I trust my gear. Right? So that's a right. calculated risk that I've chosen to take. That's a big difference. Let's use Haro as an example. It's something that, I mean, in my world as a journalist, it's 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 ubiquitous. Everybody knows what Haro is. It's like we use it uh, daily and also people in the press. Um, when you were coming up with this idea in your apartment and you sold it two years later, talk about, uh, you know, Faster Than Normal, which is your book. But mm-hmm. – uh, Tell us more about that process and how everything you just explained about kind of the way that you approach ideas, was that kind of the uh, an, uh, an example of that and how that basically came to fruition? Yeah. I mean, it really was. I had this idea. I said, hey, I think this will work. And five seconds later, um, you know, I built the site. Literally, I built the Harrow site, I think, in like two hours. And I built it on a plane, on, my, on a flight. I flew from LA to Houston um, and, and came up with the idea, called someone from the Houston uh, airport during my connection back to New York. Um, by the time I landed <clears throat> at Newark, the site was built and I launched the next morning. What was the light bulb for that? What, what, I mean, clearly there's thought, a need, but what made you really decide to be the person to start it? When you have ADHD, you talk to everyone. And I mean, literally, if you're in a plane next to me, unless you fake your death, I don't know everything about <laughs> you by the time we land. And so what wound up happening was I, I could not, um, uh, reporters would call me all the time. Oh my God, I, I you know, <clears throat> I, I know you and I, you know, everyone I'm doing a story on whatever, who do you know, who can help me, you know, and it just, over time, it just got way too much and gotta be, gotta be a better way to do this. Yeah. And so over time that wound up becoming uh Harrow and it, sold. You know, it really started as a favorite of some friends. And you sold it in two years, two and a half, two and a half years. So what did you do when you got that paycheck? Um, well, funnily enough, I, we had made the announcement, uh, about the sale in DC. I came home the next morning, <clears throat> walked into my apartment and both my, uh, cats had spent the previous 24 hours. They'd gotten into a bag of food, eaten it, drink, drank water, thrown up. And they repeated that process about 24 times. <sighs> um, I spent the first three hours of my life, uh, as a millionaire on my knees, cleaning up cat puke. Oh my gosh. I now there's something you should have outsourced. I believe it was supposed to happen. I believe that was the universe saying, you know what, Peter? Don't, get back to uh, work. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't get, get cocky. Get on your knees. Get Good back job. To work. Don't get cocky. Exactly. Hmm. Is that what you really thought at the time? Or are you just like, oh, man? No, I really believe it. This is ironic. I mean, the cat's name was Karma, for Christ's sake. Oh, come on. No joke. All right. So is that kind of characteristic of your life? Is that just one example of how things roll in your life? Pretty much. <laughs> the ups and, and You downs. know, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I really believe it's fun because that's that's you want to stay like that. You want to stay focused. You know, you don't want to uh, you don't want to start believing your own press. It's the worst thing you could do. You spent seventy two hours off the social media grid. Yep. Should we all do this? What What did yes. you learn? Good lord, we should all do this. It's it's the greatest thing. Uh, it you know it was a few days. The first few days were like, wow, this is ridiculously hard. Um, I, first few hours, rather, you know, I, I should be tweeting about this. I should be posting what I'm seeing. Right. <laughs> and all of a sudden I started getting Zen and all of a sudden I started enjoying where I was and I started really appreciating 
what I was doing. And it wasn't about having to check in. It was about living in the moment. It was such a wonderful feeling. It was like 1995 again. It was earlier than that. By 95, I was working in America online, but no, it was, uh, it was, it was a great feeling. I don't recommend that, that it happened all the time. Uh, you know, I do like being connected, but yeah, taking a break every once in a while, a good thing. Faster Than Normal is your book, and it's also based off of your podcast that has the same name. What do you want people to understand most about people who have ADHD? What is the stigma or the misperception you think that is uh, that is running rampant right now? And and how has the reception been to the book? So the book has been great. The book is based on the podcast, which of course is, has been going on for two years as the number one podcast on iTunes cover, uh, focusing on ADHD. And the premise behind it is simply that ADHD, people with ADHD, we're not broken. We are not um, uh, uh, on the island of misfit toys. We have a faster brain. Mm-hmm. And because we have a faster brain, we have to learn how to use our brakes better. Once we do that, we can do anything. And once we embrace the concept of ADHD, uh, we do a lot better at what we're doing. Um, I have seen uh, countless, countless people um, who, you know, the people we've interviewed on the podcast, Tony Robbins, Seth Godin, uh, Keith Crotch or DocuSign, uh, amazing people who realize that their ability to think faster than normal is actually a benefit. And once I realized that, you know, everything that I, everything that I do for my life, uh, you know, my skydiving, my, you know, some people run a 5K race and they're very happy with that. No, I had to sign up for an Ironman. Right, so it's all those type of things that we do. I'm doing that specifically because it allows my brain to focus the way it does. It gives me a tremendous level of uh, dopamine, which lets me focus, mm-hmm. and and you know I, I've learned to take advantage of that. So, is that the advice for those who have ADHD who may not feel like they are they have it under control in their heads? Like you know, it's not. I don't want to miss. I don't want to mischaracterize it, but you know what I mean? Is it to stay busy, to stay productive, to stay focused? How do you stay focused when you have ADHD? What are, what are, I mean, you found your way to channel that. Like you are very active, but is that the advice for everybody? For me, it works. There are other ways uh, uh, that it can work for certain other people. No, some people, it varies. I mean, I am very, very big at doing exercise and, and being active. Other people, you know, they're into meditation. I can't, I can't do meditation, but, uh, it's that, you know, it, it, it varies on sort of whatever works for you. All I know is, is I know it works for me. And I know that a lot of people who I've talked to have said that it works for them as well. We're going to go down memory lane a little bit. If we can, I always ask guests on this show about their biggest memory as a kid growing up that had to do with money? How did it make you feel? Did you experience something? Did you witness something? And then how did it impact you as a a grown adult? I grew up not really, not really wanting for anything. I grew up middle-class. My parents were teachers, you know, back in in the seventies and eighties, they could be teachers. You could still make a living. I don't, that's a good question. I remember when I was like eight years old, I wanted to earn money. And there was a fruit stand at the corner of where I, the corner of my apartment, my block. I remember walking down there with my parents' permission and asking the fruit stand guy if I could work for him. And he, he made me work all day and I, I cleaned up and I, I picked up all the rotten fruit and I threw it out and I did everything. And he gave me five bucks. This is probably 1980. I just remember being so ridiculously proud of that five bucks because I'd made it. It was mine. I worked for it. And then I remember 
over the next several years, I'd have like summer jobs or whatever, and I'd, I'd you know be making money. And it, I hated the jobs, but I was always proud that I made money. Mm-hmm. And so when I went out on my own in my early twenties, started my first company. I remember that the money that I made the first time a client paid me and it was mine just felt so much nicer, right? Than working for someone else. And that's when I realized I could never go back to working for someone else again. There's a correlation between people who end up becoming entrepreneurs. And if you look back at their childhoods, they all were, well, many of them worked at a young age. A lot of them um, love, like you described it, love the feeling of earning that paycheck. Yeah. Is that something that you... Like, were your parents entrepreneurial? What was your uh, exposure to that? Because I never really got the the education around becoming an entrepreneur, but I also really remember wanting to work so badly, even as a kid, like five, six years old, wanting to learn a way to make my own money. I had nothing about education about being an entrepreneur. I learned it all on my own. Um, My parents, like I said, were teachers. Um, It was very, very – for me, it was very much about uh, learning by process Mm -hmm. as I did. And I screwed up and I learned from that. Yeah. Um, but I think that, I think that the, the key thing for me was understanding that earning your own money meant that it was in fact your own money, right? Mm-hmm. And you, no one could tell you what to do with it. It was yours. Although you have a lesson for people who want to make more money and that is to stop being afraid to spend it. Yeah, that's true. You know, you, you, there are a lot of people, um, I think who talk about, um, you know, they, they might have to notice despite their face. Um, the example I like giving is that I have, uh, I have a, um, when I land in Vegas, if I don't have a car picking me up and I have to take a taxi, I always walk to the front of the taxi line in front of like thousands of people. And I say, is anyone going to X hotel? I'll treat. Oh. Right. And someone, someone usually within the first 10 people says, yeah, I am. And we get in the cab together. Well, I would have had to pay for that cab anyway. And I also would have had to wait online for an hour. Now I just saved an hour. That's brilliant. Okay, give us more examples because those are, that's so money. Um, I think that one of the one of the, my favorites also is uh, if I have a if I'm taking a client to a restaurant that I'm not familiar with in a different city, I'll try to get to the restaurant the day before and meet the major date, um, and uh, basically say, look, I, I'm bringing in a special client tomorrow. I, I can appreciate it if you could just take care of us and you know make sure we're treated well and you know make it worth your while and all that. And it's not it's not pompous or anything like that. And what winds up happening is I come up the next day. And, you know, I show up and the major day remembers me, Peter, great to see you again. It's just your, your party all here. Great. We're going to seat you right now. And, you know, it just, it's a, it's a, what did it cost me? 20, 30 bucks maybe as a tip, but right. to, to, to the major day as well as the, but it's, it's phenomenal. It's such a, you know, it, 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 it alleviates a ton of, uh, of, uh, uh, stress. Yes. Otherwise. And that's really the key. How can you alleviate stress? Alleviating stress, alleviating time. Um, these are the new currencies, right? No question about it. Experience is a new currency. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tell us about the Geek Factory. This is well, we know that it's a boutique social media and PR firm. Um, when clients come to you for help in those areas, what do you find yourselves repeatedly trying to get them to stop thinking about? Because I know it's all about numbers, but isn't it also about engagement? For me, it's really about the customer engagement. The concept that that um, for me. The more you work with a customer, the more that a customer can, uh, the more you can benefit the customer, the more that you give the customer um, feedback and you give the customer the feeling that they are not alone and they're not doing this all on your own, um, 
what winds up happening is that you wind up, uh, the customer winds up doing your PR for you. They wind up becoming your um, uh, uh, publicist and they wind up telling the world how great you are. And the nice thing about that mm -hmm. is that the more they tell you how, the more that they tell you how great you are, um, the less you have to do it because no one believes how great you are if you're the one that has to tell them. And I mean, it's so true. Like when you, it's, and it's all through word of mouth. Like if I get a recommendation from a friend about a product or a service, that's gold. Correct. Correct. And that's that you're going to believe that a lot better. It's the classic. Imagine going to a bar, right? Walking to a bar and I see you in there. I've never met you before. I walk up, you, know, you don't know me, but <laughs> I'm amazing. Like, I'm seriously, I'm so good at bed. Finish your drink right now. Come home with me. I'll show you. Now you're going to throw your drink right back in my face and go back talk to your friends. Peter, what's I've done a lot of research. That's exactly what you'll do. But yeah. if you're, but if your best friend is, oh my god, that's Peter Shakeman. You're single. He's single. You should, you should. I'm going to introduce you. He's amazing. It's a done deal. Right. Oh my gosh. Well, so what's next for you? You're as somebody who is very much on the fast track. Um, what, what, what's, what's your next project? Or are you working on it? I'm working on a bunch of stuff. I mean, uh, you know, one of the things right now for me, I have the, the podcast for Faster Than Normal is going really, really well. I'm doing a lot more influencing for different companies. Um, I just uh, joined up. I'll be, I'll be racing, doing all my triathlons this year on behalf of uh, the NYPD triathlon team. So doing really well, having a lot of fun. All right. Let's do some so many fill in the blanks before I let you go. Is that okay? We got a little sure, more time. Go for it. This is uh, when I ask you, well, I state a sentence I f and you have to finish it. Okay. The first, if I won the lottery, the first thing I would do is fund arts education in the New York City public schools. Where did you grow up? New York City public schools. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is there a connection there? <sighs> yeah. Where? What part of uh, New York? Grew up in Manhattan. Okay. Went to high school performing arts. Awesome. The Fame School. Fame School. Yes, ma'am. Did you want to become a performer? Is that what? I was just good at it. I have a, I have 22 years of classical vocal training under my belt that no one believes. <laughs> what? So are you, where, where can we, are you performing anywhere? No, nope. no, nope. I'm, I'm just, I'm really, I'm, I'm the person you want on the, uh, on the uh, karaoke. Karaoke. Gotcha. <laughs> or don't go to karaoke with Peter because he will, <laughs> he will sweep. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Did any of your classmates go on to become big celebrities? Uh, a couple of them. Marlon Wayans, uh, Omar Epps. Yeah. Jennifer Aniston. What uh, you were in her I, class? Amazing! I was a year. Was, she was a year before me. Adrian Brody. Uh, yeah, we had. Some, he was a year after me. We had some people, and we used to. We used to really be. Uh, used to be pretty amazing, and then uh, we used to, you know, use it as a badge of honor. And then Nicki Minaj told everyone she graduated from LaGuardia. Yeah. And that, that fucked it up for all of us. So you know. Well, and she didn't quite graduate. I heard. <laughs> no, she did not. Right, that was the sort of rumor. Um, okay, so I have to digress a little bit because I love when I find out that my guests have grown up in New York City. Uh, I mean, quite the bubble, right? To live, to grow up here. It is now to grow up in New York City is like living in a bubble. But um, what was your perception of the rest of the world, the rest of the country when you were living here? I don't think it was a bubble per se. I think because, you know, when you grow up in New York City, you live so uh, – you're so connected to every single thing. I mean, I, I know kids who didn't meet their first Jewish kid until they got to college. You know, and I, I was really much right. about, uh, you know, I, I, I was for one semester, I was the director of my high school's gospel chorus. Me, the white Jewish kid was director of the gospel chorus. So, you know, I had <laughs> a blast growing up here. It was, it was wonderful. And I, I would say for a while, I did think that, um, <clears throat> I did think that I was, uh, uh, better than everyone else. And I, 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 
I proceeded to, to, to be disabused of that idea as I got older. And I realized that, you know, it's not whether you're, whether you're, um, whether you're uh, older or younger, or, you know, whether you're better or worse, but wh- rather that you can learn from so many people. There are so many different people you can learn from. And so that, to me, was really key. How many people I can learn from, uh, wherever they're from in the world, what can I learn from them? And your cats also kept it very real. Mm, that's so damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're a Peloton fan, uh, and so this might relate to this fill-in-the-blank, but one thing I love to splurge on – I know Peloton's not cheap. One thing I love to splurge on, no regrets, is – Actually, I wouldn't even say Peloton because I already bought the bike. So that's yes. a given. I would say uh, if I'm going to splurge on anything, it's an, it's a – uh, seat upgrade on my flight because 14 hours in coach versus 14 hours in business class, give me business class anytime. That's where I'll be really, that's where I'll be the most productive. Uh, put me in coach and well, just no one's going to be happy. Plus you save all that time boarding and deboarding exactly. and all of that. And plus you're more likely to travel again and actually yeah. continue your, you know, your, your path. All right. One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is that you're never really going to get rich working for someone else. And that the best, if you have an idea, start it. Just go and do it. The worst that can happen is you you, you don't make any money on it. You'll start again. Were you an ideas kid? My brother's always. an entrepreneur. He was always coming up with ideas. Yeah, yeah. Always. Yeah, I just didn't start implementing them until I think, you know, my late 20s. But yeah, definitely. So that's a good telltale sign of a child who will, has the entrepreneurial bug. Correct. All right. When I donate, I like to give to blank because? Best Friends Animal Society because they do wonders for homeless pets. Um, arts education programs in the public schools because public school – because arts education should be a birthright, not a privilege. And where else do I donate? Um, I know there's another one. Arts education, animal rights. Um, oh, my God. Where's the third one? That's plenty. Okay. Yeah. Good enough. Let's go for that. Very good. And last but not least, I'm Peter Shankman. I'm so money because. <laughs> um, <laughs> did I get a laugh out of you? Woo! You did. I'm so money because I'm the last person to ever conceivably use the term I'm Peter Shankman and I'm so money. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, thank you so much, Peter. I'm really happy that we got to connect. And this was a faster than normal interview, but <laughs> as most of them very are. appropriately so. I'm happy to do it. It's great to be here. Thanks so much to Peter for stopping by. His book is Faster Than Normal. And for more on Peter, go to shankman.com. He's also on Twitter with a massive following at Peter Shankman. All this information is back at somoneypodcast.com. If you want to download the audio, the transcript, leave me a question for the Friday episodes, maybe propose yourself as a co-host, click on Ask Farnoosh while you're at somoneypodcast.com and make sure to let me know what's on your money mind and that you may want to join the mic with me. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone, and I hope your day is so money. Money.